Well, worship was on fire this morning. I hope you have been blessed and encountered the presence of God. Listen, before we continue going with our offering, I want to remind you that Sunday, December 5th is coming. That's right. If you missed it earlier in the service, we are gathering for a pop-up service Sunday, December 5th, 7 o'clock p.m. As a matter of fact, if you missed it earlier, you need to put December 5th in the comments. Go ahead and type that in the comments. It's required. It's a requirement. You have to type it in the comments because we are so excited. We're going to be meeting at Brownsville Church for this incredible encounter night. It is All Nations Pensacola. It is a glimpse, a foretaste of what is to come as we get ready to relaunch our church in power, in promise, and in full potential. And so to do that, we must be rooted in prayer and the presence of God. That's our desire. That's our hope. We build it on nothing but the name and the reputation of Jesus. And so we are going to need your help. If you're part of the launch team, or maybe if you've been wondering if you need to join the launch team, this is your clarion call. I want you to go ahead and click the link in the comments or in the description above and go ahead and join our launch team. And especially if you are a leader as well, there's a sign-up sheet for you as well. I want you to join us because we're going to need your help to make sure that this is everything that it should and can be. Trust me. You do not want to miss it. Sunday, December 5th at 7 p.m. at Brownsville Church is going down, is going down, and I'm ready to see you again. Okay, let's get ready to go ahead into our offering time. What we believe here at our church is that generosity is one of our values. It's the way in which we should live our lives, that we should not just be generous to others, but we should also be generous when we are sowing into the kingdom of God. I, I said this all the time and I really mean it. It is not my desire to emotionally manipulate you. I believe that what you give and how you give is between you and God. We believe that there are principles. Yes. Principles like the tithe, principles like first fruits, principles like offerings, principles like giving special seeds and sowing into the kingdom based upon what you are believing God for. We believe in all of that. But I just want to encourage you. This is this is about you and God. This is about a character formation of generosity, of desiring for God to be reflected in your everyday character. If that's what you desire, I want to challenge you to give. And I want to challenge you to pray to the Lord right now about what God would have you to give. Because we know that we can have all of our plans, all of our ideas, but ultimately it is our desire to follow what God has for us. So if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. If you're opening yourself up to give generously, if you're opening yourself up to sow into the kingdom of God, I want you to lift up one hand or two hands right now. God in heaven, we thank you that you are a generous God, that you so loved us that you gave. And in response to your generosity, we ourselves are givers. And we don't just give to others. We sow into your kingdom of God. And God, we know that both of them are important, that both the horizontal and the vertical are vital for our growth. So, God, we thank you that we have a generous church. We have a giving church. We have a church that desires to sow into what God is doing. I pray that you would bless them. Bless those who can give. Bless those who cannot give today. And I pray that you would increase them. God, that you would take them to new levels. God, that we would be proper stewards of what they give and what they sow. And that that would be reflected in this church's excellence, in how we serve our community, and in the future as well. We thank you for this, God, a blessing upon this house and every house who is watching in Jesus name. 
Amen. Listen, you can give in two easy ways. As I always say, you can click the description up above where it says want to give or the link down below where it says the same. This is on Facebook and YouTube. Or you can give the old fashioned way. P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. That's P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. And shocking as it may be, I know some of y'all like nobody gives a mail it in. Yes, they do. <laughs> you better believe it. Yes, they do. They do mail it in. So continue to mail in your gifts. I pray that the Lord blesses you as you sow into the kingdom. All right, it's word time. One more video and then we'll get back in and we'll open up our Bibles and start this new series entitled I'm Hungry. See you in a minute. Church, it is time for a word from the Lord. If you are ready for a word from the Lord, why don't you type in the comments, I'm ready. Type it in the comments, I'm ready. Won't keep you long today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, we're going to be starting in verse 29. Listen, one more time, okay? Spare me one more time. If you just tuned in for the sermon, listen, we are coming back to church for a special service on December 5th, Sunday night at 7 p.m. at the Brownsville Church. Yes, Brownsville Church, formerly known as Brownsville Assembly of God. And I want you to be there. Do not miss it. Do not miss it. It's going to be incredible. If you're a leader or if you're also a part of our launch team, or if you want to be a part of our launch team, please sign up in the pinned comment or the description above on Facebook or YouTube. Okay. I love you so much, church. As we get into this, allow this word to touch you and change you. Allow it to challenge you and take you to the next level because I believe God desires more for you. No matter where you are, what you've been through, what you're going through presently, God desires more for you. I want you to lift your hands right now. Lift your hands wherever you are and say, God, I receive your more. God, I receive your more. That is a word for somebody. Do not settle for less in the kingdom of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a child of the king. Never settle for less. God desires more for you. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 29. And it reads as follows. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Verse 31 says, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. As you know, we're starting a series today, brand new series for a few weeks entitled, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Type that in the comments. I'm hungry. You probably are. Why don't you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you so much that you are present with us. 
that your spirit is not far from us, no matter where we are, what we have done, what we have been through, what we are presently facing. I thank you for everyone who is watching, the families and the stories they represent. God, you do not take those stories and those families lightly, God, but instead you have desired to engraft us into your narrative. Our story has become yours. Our family has become your family. Now, God, we thank you that you are presently involved in the affairs of life, that while it may seem as though you are off in the distance, far away, you are not just a transcendent God, you are an imminent God. That means you're right here, right now. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us by your word. God, there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this cyber pulpit. So God, I pray that you would light me on fire, that I may burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our series today that we are starting is again entitled I'm Hungry, and it is a sermon series on desires. You, you know, this is the season of food. You know this, right? Of course, you probably already do. And you're already thinking about the next few days as you prepare for Thanksgiving. Now, now here's something I do want to interject here parenthetically that some of you are new here and some of you don't know me in this capacity, but some of you have are probably wondering whether or not um, Pastor Burns, I would like uh, some of your cooking on Thanksgiving. Listen, uh, you know, you probably think it don't bother him. He's probably busy. Um, I don't need to reach out. You know what? And, and I want to ask you this question. Whose report will you believe? Huh? Whose report will you believe? Because the report of the Lord for me and mines, yes, with an S, me and mines in plurality is that we would walk in abundance, that you would even, God would even prepare for us a feast. So, so y'all think I'm playing? I'm not playing, okay? I rebuke your hesitation. I want plates, okay? Now, now here's, here's the thing, again, <laughs> I want plates, all right? Now, I, I see y'all every, every Thanksgiving, every single Thanksgiving, I see y'all. Y'all be cooking, and it be looking good, okay? And I, we got good food at home, too, but I'm just saying I, I want variety, okay? Okay, we serve a God who, who operates in variety. I'm not playing, okay? That's the word of God for me, and, and I'm claiming that in the name of Jesus. Listen, it's a season of food. I'm going to be cooking. You're going to be cooking. You're going to invite me over to have a plate of your cooking in the name of Jesus. Be obedient now. Submit. Be obedient. <laughs> it's the season of food, but it's also interesting. Pay attention. The season of desires. When do we desire more than in this holiday season, be it Thanksgiving, Christmas? For some of us, we desire tangible gifts. Others of us desire money and things that we can spend, currency that we can use for the things that we desire. Others of us desire relationship or companionship. Others of us desire different families. Others of us desire different stories and narratives. But wherever you are in life, in this holiday season, there are heightened desires that rise up in our souls and our spirits and our hearts that control behavior. Because we desire to experience better than what we have now, we overspend. 
because we desire a different family or a better family than what we have now, we get into heated arguments and altercations. Because we desire to experience the best, we extend ourselves and we run around and we do all these things and we do them because we have innate desires on the inside of us that aren't necessarily bad, but sometimes are unknown and unaddressed. And, and please understand that the economy understands this. Please understand retail stores know this. Uh, please understand that the federal government understands this. It's why marketing and all these things are, are geared towards us enhancing and engaging with these unknown and unaddressed desires. You know, I was thinking earlier about the things that most of us would desire to have, the things that we would want to grab, the things that we would want to hold in our hands, the people that we would want to hug, and it brought up someone who has been in the news. Uh, you might not know her specifically, but she's connected to something that has been prominent in our news cycle. It's a woman by the name of Madeline Davis Jones. Madeline Davis Jones is the mother of a man who captured America's attention and actually the attention of the world for a few days earlier this week. You probably saw his picture floating around the internet his name is Julius Jones. And Julius Jones has an interesting, compelling, tragic story. This man, Julius Jones, was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death in 2002. He was accused of killing Paul Howell, who was in a car in the driveway of his parents' home when he was carjacked and fatally shot in 1999. Now, what we know about this case is that Mr. Jones was sentenced to death, but upon further review, and, and far be it for me to be a legal expert, but from what I read and understood about the case, there seemed to be some glaring inaccuracies and inconsistencies. He was scheduled to be executed on Thursday, and the parole board in the state of Oklahoma made a recommendation to the governor, Governor Kevin Stitt, and they said, you, you should, or we recommend, that you commute Mr. Jones's death sentence to life in prison with the possibility of parole. It would be a significant step. It would change the fabric of someone's life. But beyond just that, it became something that was nationally pressured. And now some of you who know me very well know I have strong thoughts on America's use of the death penalty. Very strong thoughts. But aside from all of that, even if you are pro, even if you are all for, hopefully you would want to get it right. Justice compels us to want to get it right, right? That is the essence of what it means to be just, that we would meet out fair, impartial, true judgment. And in this case, there were so many questions and so many inconsistencies and so many competing narratives and so much prosecutorial prosecutorial misconduct in the original case that we had questions about whether or not Mr. Jones should be executed. And I was drawn to his mother, Madeline Davis Jones, because it seems like in a season of desires, she had the most basic desire just to see her son one more time. 
that when he was on death row at a certain point, he was removed from being able to be a visitor, to be visited by visitors, to be able to be touched or talked to. Uh, Miss Jones, she said, the last thing that he told me was, Mama, I love you. And I said, you don't have to tell me that. He wanted me to know that he loved me. And I was expecting on, uh, on getting a hug. And I walked away with that hug and I was disappointed. It, it was a push. She grabbed a number of people and it became a viral campaign that everyone from athletes and celebrities and everyday people like you and me were posting and emailing and sending messages to the governor asking him to reconsider, to commute that death sentence down to life in prison and then to take another look at the case. And when the governor, with only a few hours to spare, commuted the sentence with still not allowing parole, not allowing the possibility of parole, which means justice still must roll down. She, she was excited. She was jubilant. This is what she said. She said, today, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I feel like dancing, shouting, you name it. I feel it. My cup is full. And then she says this, truth is always going to win some way, somehow. Miss Jones had a base desire. That desire was to see her son live. And these desires were in competition with other desires. And much like the desires that we have to do good are in competition with negative desires to tear us down or deter us from the path that God has set out for us, much like it was the case with Miss Jones and the advocates who are trying to mete out just judgment, who are trying to see justice roll down, as Amos tells us, it is the same internally for all of us because every single day we have desires that are in conflict on the inside of us. This is one of the things you have to understand about desire. One of the worst things that you can do in your life is live with unknown or unaddressed desires. Some of you are listening to a talk or a sermon on desire and you are disconnected from the desires that are innate within you that are driving your life. And this is why we're talking about desire, because every single one of us is hungry for something. Every single one of us is desirous of something. And there are two opposing ideas that compete on the inside of us. Number one, you have divine desires. And these divine desires come from the fact that we are redeemed, we are blood-bought, we are saved, we are sanctified. The Spirit of God is indwelling on the inside of us, resides on the inside of us, gives strength to us, allows us to live right and do right and think right and believe right and act right. And then there are the opposite, they are distorted desires. And the distorted desires compete against the divine desires. And there is constantly this push and this wrestle, not for us always to desire the wrong things, but perhaps to desire the wrong things or the right things at the wrong time. Perhaps for us to desire the right things and to acquire them in the wrong way. These are distorted desires which often take good things and turn them just a little bit. These are distorted desires which often cause us to look at ourselves as we ought and others as we should not. These are desires that can twist our mind. These are desires that can twist and distort our actions. And these desires must be known and addressed because if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you cannot live your life in bondage to distorted desires. It is my belief 
that many of us are walking around with the opportunity to have victory and power in the spirit of God, but we are in bondage to distorted desires that we refuse to confront and maybe that we don't even know. You can't be a follower of Jesus and live your life locked up with distorted desires. Do you realize that this can shape and change and destroy your entire life? Do you realize that it can cause you not to move at God's speed? Do you realize that it can cause you to take a step back? This is not doom and gloom and fear. This is not even always talking about the obvious sins that we think, but simply how we perceive ourselves and others can be distorted because we are not addressing the things that lie on the inside of us. Am I talking to anybody today? You can't live as a follower of Jesus and prosper in the kingdom of God if you're in bondage to distorted desires. It's so important that Augustine puts it like this. I love this quote, and it'll shape us. I'll say this a bunch of times over the next couple of weeks. Augustine says this. He says, the entire life of a good Christian is, in fact, an exercise of holy desire. You do not yet see what you long for, but the very act of desiring prepares you so that when God, when he, when Jesus comes, you may see and be utterly satisfied. This is the point of why we submit ourselves to the leading of the spirit. Why we submit ourselves to confront distorted desires and follow divine desires. Why? Because there is something on the inside of us that ultimately desires the only thing that can satisfy us, and that's being in the presence of the king. When you are in the presence of the king, church, you do not have anything that you lack. You do not have anything that you desire more. You do not have anything that is without your grasp or outside of your reach. But when you are in the presence of the king, you are fully satisfied. You are fully complete. You are fully mature. You are fully whole. You are fully filled because the thing that you've been hungry for, the divine desire is the only thing that can satisfy I want to challenge you before we even get into the text today to remember the fact that you are searching and desirous of things that Jesus can satisfy. You are searching and desirous of things that Jesus can fulfill. I know you might be thinking it's very practical. It's very human. It's very tangible. It's something I can touch or taste or see or experience or own. And how in, the, how in the world could Jesus be the one who is going to satisfy this desire? I'm here to tell you that there is something behind the thing. There's something behind the distorted desire. And it's often the things that we truly can find in relationship with our king. And many of us have chosen to have distorted desires. And this is the case in Genesis chapter 25. In Genesis chapter 25, we're introduced to two characters, Jacob on one side, Esau on the other. They're brothers and they're sons of Isaac, whose father was Abraham, the father of many nations. And Isaac is pleading with God to allow his wife, Rebekah, to conceive. She conceives and she is having a terrible pregnancy because there is conflict and war inside of her womb. There's Jacob and Esau wrestling with one another to see who would come out first. Esau comes out first. Jacob grabs Esau's heel, which is where his name comes from. It literally means one who grabs another's heel or a supplanter. Some translations would have it as deceiver. 
But whatever it is, Esau and Jacob were constantly at war with each other within the womb and outside of the womb. One day Esau is coming in from a hunt and he is desirous of something because he's been out so much. That was his reputation. He was a warrior. He was someone who was attacking animals and attacking perhaps people and defending and protecting the land, doing what firstborns would do. And Jacob is cooking something. He's known as the person who is inside of the tents, who is working with his hands, who is doing other things that perhaps are creative, that perhaps are producing, that perhaps are culinary. And Esau says, give me whatever it is you got. Give me. I desire something. And Jacob puts this stipulation up to him in Genesis chapter 25. Look at verse 30. Esau says to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. And verse 31 says, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. I want to give you three points here, three things that are danger desires, the dangers of desires. Number one, I want you to pay attention to this. One of the dangers of desires is you desire to have holy things by unholy means. One of the dangers of desires is you desire to have holy things by unholy means. Type in the comments. It's a danger. Jacob is in a place where he desires something good. To understand why it is something good that Jacob desires, ultimately, you have to understand the principle of the birthright. In ancient culture, the idea of the birthright is that this is the firstborn's traditional right. In this idea, it was a tradition that states that the firstborn of each family would have a special inheritance from the father. Especially in Hebrew culture, what we would see is that the firstborn was the priest of the family. The firstborn had special place. They would also receive a double portion of the father's inheritance and catch this authority of the father. Jacob saw this as an opportunity to angle, cleverly angle himself around, to cleverly step around with some help from his mother as well, to cleverly step around Esau and receive what he felt was rightfully his. Now, while it was deceptive, the idea of receiving a blessing, the idea of receiving authority is not bad in and of itself. As a matter of fact, we could look at that and say that's actually extremely holy. The desire to be touched by your father, to have hands laid upon you and to be anointed with oil, the desire to receive the same power that the father carries, the, the, the desire to receive what what God has set aside is a special thing. It's a holy desire. But how many of you know you can desire a holy thing and go about it in an unholy way? This is something that the church must understand, that even in our desire for good things, sometimes we go about it in unholy means. Sometimes in our desire to be blessed by God, we use manipulation. Sometimes in our desire to be favored by God, we have such a big ego that we must be lifted up and others must be pushed down. Sometimes in our desire to have peace and harmony, we silence the voices of those who have a different viewpoint. Sometimes in our desire to be loved, we seek the spotlight. This is how, <laughs> this is how you can have people who serve in church, 
This is how you can have people with titles in front of their names. This is how you can have pastors and spiritual leaders and ministry leaders and bishops who are dissatisfied because they're desiring something, yet going about it in an unholy way because they haven't understood that the desire to have something holy is good, but the desire to do whatever it takes to get it is a distorted desire. You must be careful if you are willing to do anything at any cost to get a good thing. That's a dangerous mentality. And many of us in our desire, we have this culture, it's hustle culture, it's grind culture. We work so hard because we gotta be successful. We gotta be at the top. We gotta do all this. We gotta achieve, we gotta receive. We gotta be the one in the spotlight. We gotta make our families proud. And ultimately what we end up doing is we end up pursuing good desires and good things by unholy means. We end up circumventing and cutting corners and we end up breaking rules and we end up compromising all because we desired something good, but because we didn't understand that on the inside of us was also a distorted desire that was pushing down the divine desire that God has. And I'm here to tell you what God has for you, catch this, is for you. What God has for you is for you. If God desires for you to have a good thing, God is not going to set you up to do an unholy thing to get the good thing. Some of us just need to exercise some patience, trust, and faith in God that even though we desire the good thing now, God might have a different route for us, a different way for us, and a way that won't compromise and give in to the distorted desires that we shouldn't even be touching in the first place. Some of us need to confront the fact that we have desired, we have desired what God wanted way too much. Pastor, how's that possible? How is it possible that we could desire what God wants too much? If you are willing to do anything, there's a difference between desperation and distortion. There's a difference between reaching and committing to God and church, we have to realize this, even in the midst of doing something good, even in the midst of our growth, even in the midst of our evolution as a church, which I'm always going to talk about, as good as it is that we desire more, as good as it is that we desire structure and infrastructure and strategy and systems, we must be careful about the desire that we have. We must be careful about the means that we go about to get that desire because it reveals something about our hearts. We're not just looking to expand and grow and take things to the future and, and expand our connections and deepen our network and serve our city so that our names can be great. That's not what we're doing, what we're doing. We're doing what we're doing because God has given us a divine desire. And if you do things God's way, you can still get God's results. I know people tell you that it's about the strategy and the system. I know people tell you it's about cleverly crafted sermons and it's about fancy worship. I know people will tell you it's about spending money on the right type of staff. It's about a building. It's about this. It's about that. It's about signage and merch. It's about your marketing campaign. It's about social media. I don't believe it's about any of that. And if we stake our desire on those means, it's distorted. If we stake our desire on those pillars, it's distorted. This is what one writer says. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The only reason 
that we're in this place and the only way we will get to the divine desire that God has placed on the inside of us. And I know you are with me on this. The only way you can accomplish that divine desire collectively as a body is if Jesus is the foundation. That's the only way. There is no other way to accomplish it. I know it doesn't seem like it's very flashy. I know it doesn't seem like it moves quickly enough. I know it doesn't seem like we're doing everything that everybody else is doing. Listen, praise God. Let them run their race. But I'm here to tell you, church, if we get ahead of the timing that God has for us, if we get outside of the divine pathway for the divine desires God has for us, we're operating in distortion. We are operating in unholy means. This is what Jacob realized later, that he was desiring something good, the anointing in favor of God, but going about it in an unholy way. Not only this, take a look at Esau. Esau says this in verse 32. He says, look, I'm dying of starvation. Catch this, catch this question. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Can I give you danger of desire? Number two, catch this. The danger is when we desire what we think we need more than what we already have. I'm going to say it again. When we desire what we think we need more than what we already have. Here's what Esau didn't realize. Esau didn't realize the power of the thing that he had. Esau didn't realize the power of the anointing of the birthright of the firstborn. Esau could have convinced Jacob to just make him a bowl of soup and he didn't have to give away anything. But when you get to the place where you are so desperate, when you get to the place where you forget who you are, catch this. You are liable to give away the thing that you have or put it to the side or set it aside or dismiss it or forget that you have it because you think you need something so bad. Be careful about desires that are insatiable, church. Be careful about desires that control you. Be careful about desires that run you. Be careful about desires that you cannot manage. Be careful about desires that you can't say no to. It is so important for us to remember that the second we as believers get to a place where something is insatiable in us, that it consumes us. It has supplanted our number one desire, which is for us to do the will of God in the way that God has called for us to do it. And then when that reaches that point, when it reaches the point of being insatiable, what happens? We are liable to sacrifice everything that is already ours. You realize this, right? That you are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You realize this, right? That you are already blessed and highly favored. You realize this, right? That you are already the beloved of God. You realize this, right, that you are already a child of the king. You realize that you already have access to the father. And what most of us don't presently hear on a consistent basis is the reality and the remembrance of who we are. 
it will cause, when we hear this consistently, it will cause for us to say no to the things that feel as though they're insatiable. I can't control it. That's a problem. It feels as though I can't resist. That's an issue. It doesn't matter what it may be. It doesn't matter what it may seem. It doesn't matter how you're wired. It doesn't matter your past, your family history, your family of origin, the things that you are presently walking through right now, your personality, your bent, your spiritual gift mix, your Enneagram, your Myers-Briggs, whatever it may be, if something reaches the point of being insatiable, then you must pause, take a step back, and say, I need to address this desire. It's, it's become distorted. It doesn't matter if it was divine at one point, now it's distorted. And I fear that we have a lot of people who are walking around in bondage to distorted desires, not because they desire to be bound, but because they won't confront something that is insatiable. What is it on the inside of you that is constantly moving, pushing, controlling your decisions? I love how one pastor said it. What is the thing that you daydream about when you stop? When you stop and think, what's the thing that, that floods your mind? What's the thing that you daydream about? Some of us are so concerned, so obsessed with being successful that we have forgotten that our lives are not lived for ourselves, that our lives are not lived to make our names great and to build our own empire, but our lives are in service to the kingdom of God. Some of us are so obsessed with being successful. Some of us are so obsessed with being liked that we'll say and do anything so people can applaud us. Paul puts it like this, if I desire to become a servant of man, if I desired to bow down to people, I wouldn't have become a servant of Christ. Some of us desire the appearance of a healthy family so bad that we end up treating members of our family, the ones we are called to love, less than what they should be because of an insatiable desire. What is it on the inside of you that's constantly running that you haven't confronted yet? It is a danger to live with unknown or unaddressed desires. What is the thing that you're thinking about right now that you're saying, oh, no, that's my insatiable desire? Why haven't you confronted that yet? Grow with me, church. This is not condemnation. We all have it. I have it. Grow with me. Why are you desiring to stay bound to something that God's giving you the power to control? Why are you refusing to walk in victory? I feel like I need to stay here. Why are you refusing to exercise your authority? Explain it. Think about it. Why are you refusing to walk in what God has called you to walk? And that is that nothing would be able to control you to an insatiable level if you're truly a child of the king. What is that? Why? Why does it still exist? And for some of us, it's not even a thing. Some of us, it's just fear. We succumb and submit to fear at every second that arises up on the inside of us. Some of you, you know who you are. God told you to do something. You do it for two weeks. The third week, fear comes in and you stop doing it. Why? Do you realize the power you have, church? Do you realize the authority and anointing you have? Do you realize your favor? 
Do you realize how much God has given you? Every time I see you, every time I look at you, every time I pray for you, every time I think about you, I think about the power that you have on the inside of you not to be in bondage to anything. So why are we choosing to stay on that level? Why would we not confront the thing that we believe is insatiable? Lift your hands right now. It's okay. Lift your hands. Say, God, give me the courage to confront insatiable desires. Some of us need to write it down and make a plan of action, strategize a way to fortify ourselves against the things that run us. Should nothing run us but the spirit of God. Excuse the bad grammar. It's the truth. Nothing should run the people of God but the spirit of God. And in this next season, you want to go to the next level? Confront your insatiable desires. See how quickly you grow. See how quickly you level up when you confront the things that run you. Okay, too much. <laughs> Lastly, this is very important. Danger, the danger of desire, distorted desires, is taking divine desires for granted. Look at verse uh, 34 at the end of this passage in Genesis chapter 25. Jacob gives Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate his meal, got up and left. Catch this. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. He was careless with it. And one of the dangers of distorted desires is we will start to treat carelessly the gift of divine desire that God has placed on the inside of us and equipped us with the power to walk in. We'll start treating it with contempt. We'll start treating it flippantly because we have submitted to a distorted desire. So now we start to despise our gift. Some of us, we start to despise the fact that God has called us to be a leader because we want to live in distorted desires so much. Here's the, I don't like to be in the spotlight. I don't like to be in the front. I don't like that. I don't like to be the center of attention. It's not about you anyway. <laughs> right? We just here to draw attention to Jesus. It's not about us. And some of us will repeat those lines consistently so much that we start to despise the call of God on our lives. You have been called to do this, but because you are submitting to distorted desires, you now despise the fact that God called you. And eventually, even some of us despise the God who called you in the first place. What is it? What is it that you take it carelessly? With contempt, what is the gift you're sitting on? Do you realize? Do you realize what you have on the inside of you? Do you realize how much we need what you have on the inside of you? I don't know who I'm talking to, but it's just the truth. Some of you just been sitting on stuff. Well, you know. What? You think you have time? You think you have time to wait? I'm speaking prophetically to somebody. Step out. Do the thing God has called. Force the issue. Flip the table. Do the thing. 
Some of you are walking in it and what God is doing in this season is increasing you because you're taking the thing that God gave you seriously. Esau was willing to trade the thing God gave him for anything because he had a temporary desire. So now he looked down on the thing God gave him. And I don't want to be the person who takes a look at the things God gave me from before the foundation of the world and says, I don't really like that. Treats it flippantly, carelessly, with contempt. Church, you cannot live in the kingdom of God with any measure of purpose and take the things God has given you lightly. Don't take it for granted. Don't take the promise of God lightly. Don't take the gift of God and throw it off to the side. You know, one of the most visual, visceral images of this is whenever we buy our kids Christmas gifts. Some of y'all know this. I'm only three years in. We buy our kids Christmas gifts, and what happens? They rip it off. They're like, wow. Then they start playing with the box. They don't play with the toy no more. They play with the box. I'm like, we spent money and time and energy getting you this thing, and now you go play with the box? I can get you a thousand different boxes. What about the thing that we, what about the thing that we labor for? What about the thing that we wrapped? What about the thing that we pushed forward? What about the thing that we crafted with you in mind? And some of us need to confront and repent of the fact that God has been crafting a life situation and a purpose and a gift with us in mind. And we've been walking in it because we just take God's promises lightly. Don't get it twisted. I believe in grace. I believe in affirmation. I believe in encouragement. I believe in us walking together. Don't get it twisted. It is dangerous to take the promises of God lightly. And I would not be your pastor if I did not warn you. Do not sit on your gift. Don't sit on your gift, even if you feel like people ain't valuing it the way that you think they should. Even if you feel like that I ain't been asked. Even if you feel like it's not working out the way that I thought it would. Don't sit on your gift because the danger is you start to take the things God gave you for granted. Are you OK? <laughs> Church, it's time to grow. Grow into it. Stand up into it. And we stand up into it when we're, when we're mature. When we have the maturity of God, we stand up into it. And so I want to pray for you right now that if you're navigating these distorted desires, these dangers of distorted desires, I want to pray for you right now that you walk in divine desire, that you would confront it. One of the most dangerous things you can do as a believer is live with unaddressed and unknown desires. So I want to pray for you right now. You might have fallen in any of these. Or something I didn't even mention. Confront distorted desires today. Walk in freedom. Walk in the light. Align yourself in such a way to where you are submitting to whatever God has called for you to do. And becoming familiar with the promises of God's word. So that you can walk according to what God has for you. God, I thank you for every single person right now who is confronting distorted desires and desiring to walk in divine desires. I pray, God, that you would give them strength, you would give them courage, you would give them fortitude to take a step and to take a significant step to do what you have called for them to do. 
I pray, God, right now that every single person who is operating even in a sense of inadequacy or insecurity or fear, they don't know what to do. I pray that you would give them divine wisdom, that they would get in your word and that they would confront those things according to what you have called for them to. God, I pray that every single person would walk in what you have for them, that they would not sacrifice the promises of God lightly, even for things that seem as though they are necessary, that we would confront insatiable desires. God, that we would not take your promises lightly. God, that we would not be those, those people who achieve and desire holy things through unholy means. And God, I pray that we live in alignment, that we line up with and grow into and stand up in every single thing you have called for us. May it be so. Give us courage, God. Give us maturity and help us to desire those things which you have only called for us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you. I hope that that has challenged you and also helped you remember December 5th, Sunday, December 5th at Brownsville Church at seven o'clock p.m. We have a pop up service. It is going to be amazing. Sign up to help. If you are a leader, if you are a member, you want to join our launch team, you want to sign up to volunteer. Go ahead. Click it in the description or the pinned comment below. Please, please, please on Facebook or YouTube. We need your help. Again, if you have not had the opportunity to give, you can do so by clicking the want to give uh, tab. You can click that. You can also mail it in P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Church, I love you. I'm going to see you next week. We're going to touch on a couple of more desires that we have to confront and some things that are good and healthy for us to walk in. I hope your Thanksgiving is amazing. Remember what I said about them plates. Do not forget it. I love you so much, church. Church, I'm praying for you. I hope you have a phenomenal week, and I'll see you on Sunday.